you so much for joining us. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, we get a chance to do something sort of cool here uh, today, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna share a couple scriptures. These came straight out of the pass. This one is straight out of the passage that I'm preaching on. Uh, this week, and uh, then Acts 20 is one that we read here in the last uh, week, and so just wanted to, to, to share these with you. We're going to get a chance to actually commission elders this morning. It's the first time we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but uh, it's the first time for us that we, we're moving from an outside sort of leadership team or board uh, to a group of, of um, me and two other uh, people from Ignite uh, that have been through a process that the church uh, kind of recognized and said, yeah, we think these guys are elders and so they're going to be kind of, the three of us are going to form kind of the leadership team or the elder board here moving forward. And so I just, it, it comes straight out of the book of Acts. The, the term elder is one of those churchy words that you're like, does that just mean that you have to be old? <laughs> or like, what is that? But it's, it's not. There's biblical values, but it's, it's kind of a sign of just recognizing some spiritual authority, some people that are already kind of shepherding and caring for and helping uh, the church to grow up spiritually. And so Acts uh, 14, this is actually from the passage we're going to be teaching on later today. So I'm going to hit it now and not hit it much later, but it just uh, says this. It says, uh, Acts 14, starting with verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders uh, going back through each of the churches, and with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so that's what we're going to have a chance to do here in a second. And one more, this is actually written from Acts 20. It's written to uh, people that were elders of local churches and it's Paul talking, and he just says this. He says, keep watch over yourselves, over your own lives, uh, and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer or an elder. Be shepherds of the church of God, which, uh, which Christ bought with his own blood. And then it goes on to say, now I commit, uh, I commit you uh, to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and provide you with an inheritance uh, forever. And so we're going to have a chance. I'm going to invite Jody and Mark to come up. I'm going to do things in a little bit of weird order, but you guys can come on up, come up front. I'm, I've got, I'm, we, we, yeah, that's pretty much how it's working. So, so we actually have gifts for both of you. I'm going to share the gifts first, which sounds weird, but in the gifts, it reveals actually what elder, eldering is all about. And so uh, we've got all kinds of things in here. Uh, we've got some we've got some merch just because we think you need some ignite merch right kind of stuff but also it's because you represent ignite but you represent jesus uh to the world around us as well um a couple of cool things that i i think are awesome we got um we've got bibles for you and because you're elders they're large print and because <laughs> because <laughs> and for jody it's really large print <laughs> and so but but part of being an elder and leadership in the church is we are not trying to lead just what we think is best. We're trying to lead the church towards God's word and towards God's truth. And so that's part of uh, what we are commissioning you and part of what you're responsible for is, is seeking into and digging into and being transformed yourself by the word of God so that we can help lead other people in the same uh, direction. Uh, I've got in here someplace, if I can find it, it was here, I swear. Um, yeah. Maybe it's, can I find it here? Oh, come on. Well, I've got one of them. Oh, yeah, here it is. So we've got as well, this is a vial of anointing oil, okay, which is, is a, a little bit funny. Uh, but it, in the Old Testament particularly, and, and even in the New Testament, uh, they would anoint leaders um, with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so not only do we need the Word of God, but we need the Spirit of God uh, to be leading us. 
And as well, uh, James talks about that if any of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to come and, and pray for you and anoint you with oil. And the prayers offered in faith will make the sick person well. It's part of the, again, part of the duties is that we, we go and we pray and we bring uh, the presence of God, the spirit of God, and we pray uh, for his work in the lives of those that we shepherd. And so that's, that's part of it. I think, did I take it out of this one? <laughs> I think so. Um, and this is kind of cool too. <laughs> Uh, but this is a compass, actually, that we have, that we got engraved, which is kind of cool. But it's got the Ignite logo on the top and the mission, right? It says, discover, develop, deploy on all of it. It's a desk compass. And <coughs> if I can open it, right, it looks like that. But it's part, again, part of the job of leadership is to, per, is to keep the church on course to pursue the vision and the mission that God has given to us. And so anyway, and then there's like some, some just fun things like candy and stuff because we love you. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and, and so we want it to be a sweet job for you as well. <laughs> and we got you some caffeine because you're going to need it. <laughs> no, I just kidding. But anyway, there's, there's all these things. But, but again, there's just some symbolism through quite a bit, uh, through quite a bit of it. But we just, uh, like I said, in just a, in just a minute here, we want to have the church come around you and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray that God anoints you with this, uh, an extra portion of his spirit that he keeps you grounded in his word, that he, that he gives you passion and influence and everything else to help all of us pursue the mission that God has given us. And, um, and so, yeah, isn't that cool? So with that, I'm going to, if you guys are, are able, like, come on, old timers, if you're able to get down on the knee and the church can kind of come around, you can throw a mask on if you like. And, uh, We'll come around these guys, and we will just pray for them and pray God's blessing and, and everything else.
We are excited uh, to, to move forward with these guys. I'm excited by the plans that God has in store as we, uh, we kind of jump into this next era uh, in the life of, the, of our church. So, Well, I'm glad you guys are here this morning as well. We are on week number six of a series we're doing called Ghosted, right? We're in October, November, going to a little bit of December. Um, we're we're talk, taking a, a journey and talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and we're learning about this um, from the biblical book of Acts. We're kind of walking through that, and we're being stretched to consider what if the same God that was present and active in the book of Acts is still present and active now, because according to scriptures, he is, right? And so, and so we're, we're, we're daring to kind of ask some of these questions and saying, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? How am I supposed to live for the kingdom in the power of the Spirit in today's day and age? And so we've been asking some of those questions and, 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 and kind of wrestling and, and, uh, and considering that as we go. Today we're going to try and conquer Acts 13 and 14 both. So I'm, we're commissioning elders and I'm trying to tackle two uh, chapters of scripture. So, so umbrella of mercy, right? I'm, for, forgive me, it might go a little long, but I think, I think we'll be good. But, but here's, here's where I want us to start because uh, I was thinking about it this week. This is we're going to talk about uh, the spiritual battle that is raging around us, and I know this is something that oftentimes we don't consider, we don't think about, we don't even see. And I think some of that is because I th- I, I think our picture of of being a church attender or a Jesus follower in America is one that we think well, it ought to be just a nice, comfortable type life. It ought to be a nice right, like just. It ought to be easy for me. It ought to be awesome. And I'll come and I'll do the church thing. I might even open my Bible during the week sometime, right? I might pray. But really, it's about me just experiencing my best life uh, in Jesus. And I think uh, what I'm going to push us on today is to consider if there's a greater purpose for you. If maybe we've missed the picture of what it is that God is calling us into. In fact, what I'm going to push for and say... I think what we're going to see is that there is a battle that is raging, a battle for people's eternities, a, a, a battle regarding which kingdom is going to prevail. And, and God is inviting you and I into that battle in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus, of the risen Christ, right, to live and to help move his mission and his kingdom forward. But I was thinking about this this week and just thinking about how easy it is for us just to just sort of sit by. And instead, instead of en- engaging in the battle, it's easy just to get home from work and we're exhausted and just click on Netflix or Hulu or something like binge watch the next episodes of whatever we have before us. It's so easy to scroll on our phones and to sort of lull ourselves into apathy. And I, I was thinking about that and I, actually in the midst of this week. I got a, a prayer request. I don't know if some of you know, we've been doing this um, thing this fall where uh, we've got, we're doing a, some Facebook advertising. It's a picture of Tina and I. And it, it basically the question, like, how can I pray for you? Like, everybody's going through storms and tough times. How can we pray? If, if you share a request, I promise I'll pray for you. And so I've been spending some, some significant time praying and interacting with folks from our community. We've, we've had hundreds of prayer requests uh, that have come in, which I think is indicative of the season we're in. People that are, that are hungry, and we've had some amazing opportunities to share Christ with people. Uh, got to pray with some people uh, to... to to receive Christ and that kind of stuff, amazing. Uh, even just to be there with people uh, as they're really struggling and going through hard times. Uh, and for the most part, it's been an amazing experience. Of course, you always get some pushback and some, some weird things that happen too. I got one this week that kind of 
kind of bugged me, <laughs> and I'm not trying to call anybody out or anything, but it, it bugged me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share why. The, this is what their prayer request was. It, it was something like this. You should pray that you are all social distancing, that you and your church are all social distancing, no hugging or anything like that, and that you're all wearing masks, and that you're not closer than six feet from each other, for that is what God wants. That was, that was what the prayer request is. And I have to say, it bugs me probably for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, number one is I take it very seriously. When, when we're talking about speaking for God, I take that very seriously. That's my job. It's not something I do lightly. I spend dozens of hours a week searching the scriptures, trying to make sure that we are being faithful to what God has called us to, right? I mean, like, it's, it's that, like that's a big deal. So when somebody uses it flippantly to try and control other people, like to make them do what you want them to do, kind of bugs me a little bit. Second thing is I found myself asking the question, is that true? Now, uh, let me just up front so I don't get a whole bunch of emails or anything. I am not suggesting that we should be cavalier or careless. I'm not suggesting that COVID-19 is something that we should just, uh, you know, flippantly, uh, you know, whatever, treat it flippantly or anything. No, it's a serious thing. We shouldn't be stupid. I'm not suggesting that kind of thing. I'm just saying when, if we're speaking from a God perspective, this is what God wants. Does he really want us just to play it safe? Does he really want us to avoid all risk, to avoid all whatever? Or is there something more? Because here's, here's the first thing that popped in my head. Oh, so that's what God wants. So Jesus, for instance, didn't touch lepers, right? I mean, leprosy was way worse than COVID-19 in his day. It was considered a death sentence. The, the, at the first signs of leprosy, people would be kicked out of their villages. They couldn't even live in town. They had to keep a huge birth. When they walked through the town, if they had it, they had to start yelling, unclean, unclean, because it was, it was considered highly contagious, and there was pretty much no cure in the day. It, it would be a death sentence uh, for people, and yet Obviously, we know, uh, if you've been around the church, if you've read uh, the Bible before, you know, actually, Jesus did, right? He intentionally touched and healed lepers, but he didn't, I mean, he didn't do it from afar. He came near, he touched them, and he healed them, which, again, is jaw-dropping in that day. And again, I just, it just found my, found me, uh, I found myself asking the question, like, I mean, again, not saying we should, you know, therefore, don't wear a mask. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, I'm not so sure that the Christian life or what we imagine it to be is quite as safe or quite as comfortable as we want because it's quite possible that God will ask us. In fact, I, I guarantee it, right? God will, God will ask us at different points. The Holy Spirit will lead us to step out of our comfort zones again and again and again. Sometimes he'll prompt us to do things that by the standards of this world will seem crazy, right? That we will be Fools for Christ, the Bible talks about, right? Fools for Christ. It will make no sense. It might seem insane, and yet we'll step across those boundaries and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm going to jump ahead uh, and, and just say, man, especially as we're reading Acts, I just think so much of what we think of, our, our North American picture of what it looks like to be the church or what it looks like to follow Jesus, I just think that the first century Christians wouldn't even recognize it. If we were to use the term safe or comfortable or any of these kinds of things, I mean, I think the early church would be like, what does that have to do with following Jesus? Right? I mean, like, uh, th- these are people that laid down their lives to follow Christ, right? That were, that were sometimes mistreated, all kinds of things for the sake of Christ. There's nothing safe or comfortable 
about it. It reminds me of a story I heard one time, Erwin McManus, he's, a, he's an author I enjoy reading sometimes, and he tells a story about when his son was small uh, and he'd gone to church camp and, uh, and came out of church camp. And because it's church camp, they don't tell ghost stories because there's no such thing as ghosts. Instead, instead, they told stories about demons, <laughs> right? And so the kids came back terrified. His son has this huge nightmare. In the middle of the night, comes screaming in, wakes his dad up and says, Dad, 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 you got to you know, come in, come in, come in. And so he comes in, and he's like, you got to pray for me. He's like, I'm terrified. I'm afraid there's demons in here, and I, like, I'm, they're going to torture me. There's going to be all kinds of that kind of stuff. And he said, I need you to pray for me, and I want you to pray. Uh, I want you to pray that God would protect me. I want you to pray that God would take away my dreams, that I, I would never be afraid again, and that he would make me safe. And Erwin said, no, I won't pray that for you, son. Which they're like, what? <laughs> like, what? But I mean, he's like, no, I'm not going to pray that for you. He said, because oftentimes it's in the midst of fear. It's in the midst of even some of our anxieties or, or, uh, or some of the ways that we feel stretched or uncomfortable. It's often in those times where we get to see and know God's power and his presence in greater and greater ways. He says, instead, I'm going to pray that God would make you dangerous. In fact, I'm going to pray that, that God would make you so dangerous that when you enter a room, demons flee. <laughs> And his kid said, well, then pray that I'd be really dangerous, right, <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm like, you know what, that sounds more like first century Christianity to me than anything else that we've talked about so far, right? I mean, this is the reality. This is what, this is what the book of Acts is showing us, right? Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. He's like, you're not going to receive that power and stay in your little holy huddle. He's like, no, I'm going to send you out to the world, often into very dangerous kind of situations, but my power is in you, and you will get to see and be a part of doing the things that Jesus did, that the risen Jesus did, and saying the things that Jesus said in a, in a very real way. You're going to be a part of bringing the kingdom of God to a world that desperately needs Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about the spiritual battle that's raging, and I hope you hear and receive this, because I think God has made you dangerous, whether you know it or not. I think he has filled you with his spirit, and he is sending us out on mission today. And so that's that is kind of where we're going. Last week we talked about Saul, who becomes Paul. We talked about his conversion, right? Kind of thing. Guy used to kill Christians. He used to persecute the church or lock them up and wreak havoc. He was he was uh, working with all of his energy, uh, uh, like against Jesus, until Jesus shows up and appears to him, right? And there's like a gulp, and he's like, knocks him off his horse, and he's blinded, whatever. But Jesus comes into the story. He saves him. He rescues him, frees him from his sin, forgives him for his past. He comes and takes up residence in him, fills him with the Spirit, and then sends him out. We talked about last week. Immediately, he sends him out uh, to say the things that Jesus said and to do the things that Jesus did. And we said, man, that's, that's kind of like the way he works in us. He saves us. He fills us, and he sends us out on mission to live dangerous lives. And so uh, that was Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 12. We again see uh, some power, like God's power displayed. And we're going to pick it up, Acts 12, 24, just going to read the last couple verses, and then into chapter 13, it says this. It says, but the word of God continued to spread and to flourish. It's, this is the first of 10 times in the next couple chapters. We see this over and over. The word of God spreads and flourishes, and people come to know Jesus, and the, the kingdom is moving forward. Verse 25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, finished their work, they returned to Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now chapter 13 
Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, uh, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with uh, Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, it means literally while they were ministering before the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, they prayed for them, and they sent them off. Now this launches into chapters 13 and 14, which is, which is known as sort of Paul's first missionary journey, and that's what we read about here. From this point forward, the focus of the book of Acts moves from just the disciples, or just even making disciples, to, dis- to multiplying churches. And we start seeing this kind of thing happening all over. Starting and multiplying churches that reach and make more and more disciples and start more churches and on and on. It's important to, to take note of who initiates this call here, right? Is, is this uh, just a st- strategic plan that happens? Uh, you know, the, the disciples and the senior leadership team are all around and they've come up with this great plan for how they're going to do stuff. Is that what happens? Okay, that's weak. Is that what happens? you guys read the story? Yeah, <laughs> right. No, right? I mean, what happens? God is the one that takes the initiative. They're, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're ministering, they're, they're maybe sharing uh, with one another and encouraging one another, maybe sharing psalms. They might be singing or worshiping together, might be opening up the word together and, and, and challenging. Who knows what they're doing? But there's, they're, they're worshiping, they're ministering uh, before the Lord, and suddenly the Lord speaks. And my hunch is it's probably not an audible voice, but they're in a group of prophets and teachers. And the Lord probably speaks to multi- several of them, right? It's, it's, a, it's a, a plurality of elders, a plurality of leaders that are sitting around a group of leaders. And to several of them, it's a, and, and kind of confirms it and says, you know, it's set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, because I have plans for them. I'm going to send them out on mission. Again, does this sound safe? Or dangerous, right? But the, we have a God who's taking initiative, a God who is speaking, and he's still speaking. We have a God who is initiating ministry, right? Who's saying, not only does he speak, but he says, no, I've got plans for you specifically. I've got plans for you specifically. Come and follow me. Let's, we're going to have the church pray for you, and we're going to send you out on mission. God is the one. He shows up actually 16 times in the next two chapters, you see God taking initiative again and again. The author is making it abundantly clear that like this is, God is the instigator of all this kingdom business. He is the one that is constantly at work, and he is at work still if we'll pay attention, right? If we'll, if we'll stop, if we'll listen, if we'll even pray and worship and spend time just dwelling with God, he will lead and send and save and heal and work, right? He is an active God, he is one that is moving and at work even yet today. Let's keep going. Verse 4 says this, the two of them, uh, and then I like this, so Paul and Barnabas, and then just in case you missed the first time that God's behind this, he, he makes a point of saying, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, right, just, just so you don't miss this, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, which is an island. Uh, verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis on the northern tip, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. And so the kingdom of God is, is moving forward. The word of God is moving forward. Now watch this next spiritual opposition. Verse 6, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos, which is on the southern tip. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, whose, liter- whose name literally means son of Jesus. That's what it means. 
He was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. He, the proconsul was sort of a Roman leader that was in charge of, of the region. He would be one that could actually open up the doors for the message of the gospel to be proclaimed throughout the entire region. So it's, a, it's an amazing kingdom opportunity here. It says this, The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, it's the same guy, Bar-Jesus, right, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, again, they want to make sure you know that, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas, and he said this, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind for a time, not able to see even the light of the sun. And immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw this, when he saw what had happened, he believed and was amazed about this teaching from the Lord. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the kingdom of God is revealed by the word of God and the works of God, right? I mean, that's, that's when, when those two things go together, we suddenly see the kingdom busting in. We see doors opening. We see people coming to faith in Christ when there's not just, not just the message, but the message with power, right? There's, there's, there's the works of God doing the things that Jesus did combined with saying the things that Jesus said. When those two things go together, we see the kingdom come in power. And I don't know why, but for, it's so hard for us as Americans, we are all about the first without the second. We're all about the word of God, but we sometimes don't, we don't really like to talk about or, or entertain the works of God. Like that God could still do that kind of thing today. Now in the, the third world, world countries or the developing world, um, they, they much, much more easily embrace both of those, and they are seeing God work, bring revival in unprecedented kind of ways in the southern hemisphere. God is sweeping through and moving. There are still people being healed, right? There are, there are the works of God being done, right? Blind men seeing, lame men jumping up, and I'm saying men, but you know what I mean, like men and women, like pe- people are experiencing the power of God it combined with the proclamation of God, when those two things go together, it's powerful. And I just think, man, so often we look around here in America, we've just made it about intellectual. We've made it about our minds. And as a result, we have people that are, that are leaving the church, that are, but they're still look, they're looking for something more, right? They're still, cause they're hungering for something real. They're still spiritual. They're still asking questions. They'll look to all kinds of messed up places, but they're looking for more because they're, because part of us knows we need something real, right? We want to, we need not just some good intellectual arguments, right? Just, just, information and information and information but we want word combined with the power of the spirit right we want something real when when the word of god and the works of god are combined man we see the kingdom of god come with power when we're just consumed with the word of god it's easy for us to live safe comfortable little lives but we start talking about this other thing. It doesn't feel, this doesn't sound safe at all, right? There's a cosmic showdown that is going on in this passage, right? Sometimes it's easy to, th- I'm, we've, we've talked about this throughout the book of Acts. We've talked about how, uh, you know, every time there's the power of God, then there's the proclamation of God, and then what always follows? 
persecution, right? And we've talked about it in, in a general sense, and it's easy, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, but it's easy to, to, to experience that and just be like, well, those people are mean, right? They're, they're just big bullies. They just, I don't know why we're getting persecution. I don't know why people are pushing back. I don't know why all this kind of stuff has happened. But what, what, we're, what we see in this passage is it's not just persecution for persecution's sake, but there is an enemy who is at work, who is behind the scenes, pulling some strings and right, right, manipulating situations and trying to stand in the way of the kingdom of God moving forward in our world. Right, and here, there's, in verse 10, the curtains are sort of pulled back, and that's why they make a point of saying, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, like saying, okay, he had eyes to see, and God was speaking in this moment, and what does he say? He, he looks at bar Jesus, right, and he says, he says this, he says, you are a child or a puppet of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right and good. It's ironic, right? I mean, he's, he is, uh, his name means son of Jesus, and yet Paul's saying, you know, you're not a son of Jesus. In fact, you're a son of Satan, right? You're, you're being used by the enemy to try and stop the work of God. He goes on and says, man, are, are you always going to pervert the gospel? Are you always going to try and stand in the way of the kingdom of God advancing? And then he goes on and, and, and steps into that power and that authority that he has in Jesus and bar Jesus walks away blinded for a time. The enemy gets blinded and God's way prevails. And again, it's kind of hard to see, but like literally, like there is, there's a showdown going on here between the Holy Spirit and the, his power versus the power of the enemy. And it's, a, it's kind of a toe-to-toe, face-to-face kind of thing. And here we see, again, that nothing can stop the kingdom of God advancing. And so Paul steps into that in the authority and the power of the Spirit and, and moves ahead. You know, it's interesting, but I think this kind of thing is still happening in our day and age, too. It's, like I said, it's weird. We don't talk about it. The spiritual battle uh, that's going on. And sometimes people talk about it, but it's really weird, right? Sometimes you're like, I don't know what that's about. But I'll tell you what, I, I think, and, and we'll see this even more as we go on in this passage, but man, I think it's still happening. I think, I think sometimes things that we just chalk up to our culture or our, or, or our world, sometimes we chalk it up to Republicans or we chalk it up to Democrats. Sometimes we, ref- we, we chalk it up to people from different cultural backgrounds or groups. I mean, black lives matter, or blue lives matter, or all lives matter, or all this kind of, We chalk it up to all different kinds of things and say, well, it's just them or it's them or it's them or it's them. But I think behind the scenes, and I'm, again, forgive me, but I think behind the scenes, there's an enemy that is, that is stirring up and trying to keep us, trying to keep the world locked in his kingdom instead of stepping into the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, there is a battle going on, and you and I are called to be participants, not spectators, not sit on the couch, but full-on participants filled with the power of God, the Spirit of God, sent out to bring the Word of God and the works of God, the kingdom of God to this world. You with me? All right. Again, here there's a cosmic showdown, uh, a kind of a power encounter, and uh, and the spirit ends up blinding this uh, the enemy through Paul. Before we move on, let me just ask: I wonder how much we are aware that we have a spiritual enemy. I wonder how much you are aware of the spiritual battle that is going on in your world today. 
Are there ways, are there people or even things that you can identify that say, you know, I think this is standing in the way of me stepping out and following Jesus or me stepping out and growing in Jesus or becoming like Jesus or serving Jesus or speaking about Jesus? Are there, are there things, people, whatever, or things or whatever in your life, even just the culture or fear or whatever, are there things that are standing in your way, keeping the kingdom of God from moving forward in you or in your home or even through you? If so, can I suggest it's part of the battle that you are in. It's part of the battle that I'm in, that we are in. And, and the sooner we can open our eyes and see clearly what's happening, the sooner we step towards victory, right? That's, that's the way it works. All right, I better, I better keep going here. Part of our identity, friends, is whether we know it or not, there, there's a spiritual war that is going on. And part of our identity as Christ followers is that we are indeed soldiers for Christ. Now, it, we say that, and I don't want you to get crusade sort of pictures in your head or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but that's part of our identity. It's part of what the Bible says. You and I are soldiers. We are warriors for Christ, so to speak. Only we don't, we're not fighting against people. We are fighting against a spiritual enemy, the forces of darkness in this world. We are fighting to see the kingdom of God expand. And the way that we fight is through love and kindness. The way that we fight is through prayer and service. The way that we fight is by pointing people back home into a relationship with Jesus. And we fight by clinging to his word and being filled and led by the spirit of god to proclaim the word of god to do the works of god and reveal the kingdom of god let's keep going verse uh, chapter 13 verse 13 through 16 so after this power encounter of course there's an opportunity for proclamation and that's verse 13 uh, actually we're going to jump i'm going to jump down to verse 15 but pull up those next scriptures if you would says this, after, uh, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak, he says to, to Paul and Barnabas. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow, fellow Israelites, you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And he goes on to share a message. I'm going to give you just some highlights from here as we kind of keep going. Jumping ahead to verse 23, it says this. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about David. And he's, again, he's talking about the God who is initiating in all of their lives. And he says this, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, just as he had promised. Again, who is at work? Who sent him? God, right? God is the one that's active and at work. Jumping ahead, verse 26. It says, fellow children of Abraham and you uh, God-fearing Gentiles, it is uh, us that this message of salvation, it's to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Verse 27, the people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets uh, that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all this, all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and they laid him in a tomb. Verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. Again, who's at work? God, right? And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now witnesses to our people. 
jump ahead to verse 38. It says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Okay, 16 times we see again and again and again, God is the one that's working and saving and revealing and forgiving, even raising the dead over and over and over. We're reminded that it is God that is at work among us. He is working in us. He is working through us. He's working around us. So much so that through Jesus, Paul says, man, there is, there is absolute freedom and forgiveness for every sin, past, present, and future. Through faith in him, we are forgiven. It's the gospel message. It's the clearest it's been so far in the book of Acts. And this message is about to go to the entire world. It's a, it's a critical moment, right? Which is why there's a, a battle going on, why this is so key. He's saying, you know, here's the thing. You used to think that you could be forgiven, that you could come back to God by working, by doing good, good works, that you could be good enough to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know what? Many people in our culture still believe that today. If you were to ask people, how can you be saved? How can you end up in heaven? How can you be made right with God? They'd start telling you about all the things they think they should do. And here Paul's saying, man, it's not about that, is it? It's about faith in Christ, right? He is the one that he's already paid for the price for our sins on the cross, and God raised him from the dead. And now anyone who would put their faith and trust in him, anyone who would believe on him, believe in, in his name, in the power of his name, right, for the forgiveness of sins, we can be forgiven. We can be made new. We can receive his Holy Spirit. We can live in right relationship with God. And he will send us out to be his witnesses. So there's a power encounter. There's a proclamation, right, that comes. And then as we've been talking about, what comes next? Right? Persecution. Acts 13, starting with verse 45, says this. It says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy can I just ask, who do you think is behind this? The devil, Satan, right? This, again, another spiritual, another spiritual battle that's going on. They were filled with jealousy. And if I can just say, man, I just think so often we have the mob mentality in our culture these days, and you can see the crowd get swayed. You know what I'm talking about? You can see it in social media. You can see it all over the place. And again, we tend to make it about all these different issues. Can I just say behind, oftentimes behind the mob mentality, when the culture is swirling, there's anger, or man, those people and those people. Can I just say, it's the enemy back there. He is pulling strings. That is not the kingdom of God. Even in election kind of stuff, you've got, you've got you know, so-called Christians on one side, right, that are shouting and hating and accusing and all kinds of things. And I'm not saying all of them, but you know. And people on the other side, they're doing the same thing. We're hating and accusing. That is not the kingdom of God, right? That's, that is just the kingdom of this world. Again, you've got the enemy pulling strings and swirling up anger and division and all, all this kind of stuff. It's a battle. That's what's happening here. When, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Uh, they, and they begin to contradict what Paul was saying. They heap abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. So we had to speak the word of God to you first, he says, to the Jews. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. 
a significant move, right? This is why all of us in this room today are in the kingdom, unless you come from a Jewish background. This is, from this point forward, the gospel, the good news, the message that I just shared, right, that goes to the entire stinking world. It's pivotal. The message of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is now about to to springboard forward from the Jews to the entire world. And right before it does, some religious people get jealous and start contradicting what Paul said. They're heaping abuse. And again, this kind of thing happens all the time. And it's easy for us to, to not have eyes to see and just think, well, why are these people being mean? Why are they doing this? But this happens all the time. Anytime you and I are trying to step up, step forward in the kingdom of God. I'll use this example because I think this one's, this one's pretty key. Uh, a lot of times people that, that say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start learning to tithe. It's a biblical principle. It says I'm going to take the first 10% of, my, of, of all that God gives me, I'm going to give it back to the Lord as part of my worship, right? As soon as somebody does that and they start stepping up and stepping, what will happen to your financial world? trouble right i mean oftentimes the enemy will throw everything our car will break down or you know like the the house payment or the rent payment jumps up a significant i mean it'll make the tension a lot of times go up a lot of times with brand new believers people that just for the first time have opened up their hearts and lives to jesus a lot of times the enemy will throw all kinds of crap at them to try and discourage them and get them to turn back there's a battle that's raging every time we try to step up in ministry in some way or we try to, to you start start praying for and looking for opportunities to, to, to reach your maybe your coworkers or your neighbors or whatever else for Christ and share the gospel and love them and invite them in. You know, all kinds of things will come up. It's, it happens all the time. And some a lot of times we just don't have eyes to see it. But I think if we could step back again in the power of the Holy Spirit, step back and look, we could see there is a battle raging for the souls, for your soul and for the soul of every person you come in contact with. There is a battle raging Now, do we need to be afraid of that? Not a bit, right? And we'll get to that here in a second. But uh, in in fact, I would go so far as to say we are practically unstoppable uh, as we live out the calling of Jesus in the power of Jesus, bringing the message, right, and and the works of Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. until, Until our time here is done, right, the enemy can't stop. I'm just, oh man, there's good stuff here. I better keep going. Uh, verse 49 says this, uh, says, you know, so this happens, there's this power encounter, they try to kill him, they try to do all kinds of things, but uh, of course, God prevails, God's way prevails, the the word, verse 49 says this, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, and it goes on, it says, you know, some of the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of, of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they start stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, against, again, who's behind it? The enemy, right? There's a battle raging, and they expel them from the region. And so these guys shake the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and then they go to Iconium. Now, again, this is straight from the words of the lips of Jesus, right? They, they shake the dust off their feet, just saying, hey, our job was to tell you. We brought the works of God. We brought the word of God. If you don't want to live in the kingdom of God, we'll shake the dust off our feet and we'll move on. And then listen to how it says, does that upset them? Are they totally devastated because they've been rejected? Is that what it says? Verse, verse 52 says, and the disciples were, what does it say? Filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Right? Why? Because they're living in God's kingdom. <laughs> they are filled with him and there's nothing better. They're seeing God work and move in amazing ways. And if somebody, if somebody around us says, no, thank you, or somebody even says, you know, 
you guys are all making this up or you're mental midgets or you're idiots for following whatever. I mean, there, there's, there may be persecution that comes, but you, again, you can walk out with joy knowing like, hey man, my job is to be a witness. I'm, I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit and I'm supposed to be a witness. And what, the, what people choose to do with that is up to them. I'm following Jesus. This is the good stuff. They're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Man, I love that. I, I, I have to say, and maybe part of the reason that they can do that is because I think more than, more than we do, they understand and they, they are following a Jesus that is alive. They are confident that Jesus is victor, right? He is, he is victor over all. What are you going to do to me, right? What are you going to do? You going to kill me? I'm going to go get to be with Jesus and stand in, in, in his presence and be with him. What are you going to do to me? What are you going to Anything they try to do, Right, God takes and flips on its head and uses it for good. They thought they were going to, they thought, the devil thought he had victory when he killed Jesus. And in fact, the thing that he thought he was, he was doing and there was a victory, and you can imagine him sneering and cackling, like insert evil uh, Emperor Palpatine laugh here, right? <laughs> right, I mean, like he thought, like this is the day, like I've got this. I mean, God flipped on its head and used it to bring salvation to the world. Like, he rose from the dead, literally rose from the dead. What are you, and, and his followers saw that. They experienced it. They were filled with the spirit of the risen Jesus. What are you going to do to them, right? Of course they're walking out of there filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, right? They're like, are you kidding me? We are untouchable. Listen to this. I'm gonna, I'll hit this real quick, oh, and then I'll be done. Acts 14, it goes on and says this. This is just crazy, craziness here. It says, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogues, and there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe, what's that word? Stirred up. They stirred up other Gentiles. Hmm, who does that sound like, right? What is that? Is there a spiritual battle going on here? Yes. He stirs up other Gentiles and he poisoned their minds against the brothers. That is classic enemy language there. Verse 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. Did they run away? No, they're like, you know what, we're, we're staying, right? We're staying. We spent considerable time there. They were speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. What is that? They're, they're proclaiming the words of God and the works of God. It reveals the kingdom of God. Verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some uh, sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. And again, there's this battle that is raging, but we're seeing the, the work of God and the word of God. We see the power of God displayed in, in pretty crazy kind of ways. You go on, and again, it's getting sporty here, uh, but, but uh, Paul ends up healing a, a, a guy that can't walk, has never been able to walk. He heals him, and there's this whole, the mob gets stirred up and starts going crazy. And, they, and in fact, some of them are saying like, hey, he's a God. He, Paul himself, is a, he healed this guy. Look at his power. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Right? You don't understand. It's not me. God is the primary actor. So we've been talking about, right? God is behind everything. It's his words. It's his works, right? It's not me. It's him. And, uh, and we get to this, the, jump ahead. This is the last, uh, last scripture I'll, I'll share. But Acts fourteen nineteen. listen to this. It says, then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Again, <laughs> what does that sound like? Won the crowd over. And they stoned Paul 
and they dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. Verse 20. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. <laughs> I just, the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Can I just, I mean, do you see what's happening here? I mean, you can't even kill the guy, right? I mean, like, he just won't stay dead. It's, just, it's classic Jesus, right? I mean, he is living the way Jesus lived. He's doing the works of God, sharing the word of God, and bringing the kingdom of God. They even, they, they think he's dead. And can I just say, in all honesty, he probably is, right? Either he's dead or he's within inches of it. I mean, if, if you go to a, a state that has uh, the death penalty, for instance, do you think the people that carry out the death penalty can tell if someone's dead? I mean, that's, that's a pretty fair uh, assumption. I mean, it's, it, they, they stone him, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, no big stones, little stones. They'd stone you for like an hour or more. They'd just keep pelting you with rocks. It was incredibly painful. It would last for a super long time. And, uh, and then when they're done with that, they check, they think he's dead. Then they drag him through the city, right, outside the city, probably a mile or more away, leave him for dead out at the edge. Does that seem like a good place to recover? Probably not, right? I mean, like, either, either he's within, like, on his last breath or he's dead. That, that's, that's the reality. The church comes around him. They lay hands. They pray. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, lay hands gently. I don't know. But, like, they, they pray for him. And what happens? He, he gets, he, he, he's either healed and, and restored, like, immediately, or he's brought back from the dead and restored immediately. What does he do? I'm going back into town. I got some unfinished. There's some words of God that need to be spe- said. There's some works of God. Do you think there might have been some jaws on the ground as he comes walking back into town? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, it had to be a heck of a moment. I would have liked to have been there. Like, that had to be. But, again, what are you going to do? We are filled with power from on high. Power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. But so often we're content to just do this. Right? We're filled with power from on high, but you and I are given a mission, a purpose for our existence, not just to squander it or waste it, not to have a nice, comfy little life. We're filled with power and sent out to bring the kingdom of God through the works of God and the words of God. We get to see and live in and experience more and more of his kingdom. And man, there is nothing better. Those of, those of us that have gotten glimpses of it when we step out and we get to see him work. Oh, man, it's the good stuff, isn't it? You get to see God work and draw people into his kingdom. You get to see broken people find healing and wholeness. You get to see people with physical things that are bothering healed. He still does that. He can still do that in our midst. You get to see the poor cared for. See broken relationships restored. Get to see his love and his grace and his power transform people's lives, transform entire towns and regions and communities. That is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom to which you and I are invited. The kingdom of God is among us. It's in us. It's around us. It's here. And Jesus says, would you come and step in? Would you you come and be a part of, of bringing that kingdom, the reign and the rule and the plan and the will of God out there to a world that desperately needs 
Jesus. Yes, the enemy is stirring things up. Yes, there is a battle raging. But the spirit and the power of God is in you. You have nothing to fear. I wonder if this week, if we can just open our eyes a little bit more and start seeing what are the ways the enemy is, is trying to bust in, is trying to get a hold of it, get us distracted sometimes or discouraged or frustrated. Can we just, can we just open our eyes and call it what it is? And I want to have a little bit of the guts of Paul that said, you know what? Uh-uh. Raise me from the dead, I'm going back in. <laughs> like, send me in, right? Like, uh-uh. Like, no, I, my, I want my life to be lived for his glory, to see his kingdom come, to see his will be done, and ain't nothing going to stop me, right? Not that, I, not that I have all this power and authority, but God does. And Jesus says, all authority and power has been given to me. And he says, therefore, to his disciples, he says, therefore, go. Go and be my witnesses. Go and make disciples, because I have given you authority to do so. God has good plans in store. As we've been talking about, uh, I'll just mention again, the four things that we've been saying throughout. Would you would you, would you be willing to this week step into the battle? Would you be willing to this week open up God's book? If you haven't already, we're reading through Acts. We're doing basically a chapter a day throughout the work week. Uh, this week, if you've been with us all the way along, you got a light week, right? We're doing Acts 26 and 27 and 28, and that'll be it. That's the rest of it. If you're behind, well, this is a good time to catch up. Would you be willing to open up God's book and start reading Acts and start listening, considering how does God want to do that in me today, in, in, in me this week? How, how is he asking me to step out and to, to, to follow him? How is the Holy Spirit prompting me, and, and where is he taking me? How can I be a part of doing the works of God and sharing the word of God this week, bringing the kingdom of God? So you've been saying that. Would you be willing to pray and just start saying, just start praying and saying, God, would you fill me with an extra portion of your spirit? Would you open my eyes to see the opportunities? Would you give me courage to follow, and then would you show your power? Would you, would you infuse me with your power, Ezekiel, so I can be your witness? Would you be looking for opportunities uh, to step out and to speak out, right? Uh, to be a witness for Jesus. Uh, who, who around you has, is God tapping you and nudging you and saying, you know what? Him, <laughs> her. I want you to share I want you to share with them. I want you to invite them over. I want you to love them. I want you to serve them. I want you to, they're struggling. Would you, would you give to them? I want you to, who is God asking you to be a witness to and say, you know what, it might sound crazy, but I feel like God wants me to, to pray for you. Or I feel like the Lord wants me to this, this, give a gift. This is from the Lord. You know, I feel like who is there that God is prompting me to be a witness for and then step out boldly and do it. Oftentimes, God waits until we step out to provide us with the power, Right? we get to see him work. It's where the good stuff is at. And lastly, we just said, would you keep your eyes open? Keep your eyes open. There is a battle raging, but the Holy Spirit is living and active. He is at work in our midst. So would you, would you just be looking and aware of what is the Holy Spirit doing in you? What's he saying? What's he doing through you, around you, whatever else, and be willing to share? Because we need the encouragement. We need to spur one another on with these kind of things. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand up? We're going to stand up together. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, we've got a final song and we'll be done. Father, we, uh, Lord, I just recognize and we just want to admit it today that there is a battle raging. And Lord, forgive us for so easily and so often being on the sidelines of that battle. But Lord, today we want to step up. We're going to open up our, our hands and our hearts and just say, God, would you fill us afresh 
with your Holy Spirit. Would you fill us with power from on high? And in that power, God, would you send us out today to live for you, to do the things that Jesus did and to say the things that Jesus said. Would you bring your kingdom in power in our lives and in our families and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our region and our city and in our world? God, would you come and bust in? Would you show your power? Would you show your glory? God, would you raise us up to be your church, that uh, your church filled with uh, with spiritual green berets or whatever, God, to, to see your kingdom come, to see healing come to the nations, to see the gospel move forth and be fruitful and multiply, to see marriages healed, to see people set free, to see, uh, yeah, just your kingdom and your light bust into a world that desperately needs Jesus, God. We can't do it on our own, but we don't have to because you are with us and in us. Your grace is sufficient. Your power is enough. Your word is true. God, send us out on mission to live for you and with you today. God, I, I, I I thank you that as we step out and step into the battle that we are on the victorious side, (laughs) not because of us, but because of King Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks that you are alive and send us out with confidence, with power, with an awareness of, of your victory, that you are victor. And then give us a real sensitivity to your spirit. Would we we be quick to go, quick to, to speak, quick to serve, quick to love, May your kingdom come and your will be done in us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.